So um, if you guys don't know, the reason I'm up here today is because Pastor Deanna on Wednesday was diagnosed with COVID. And so she and the family are all quarantining. So today you get me, and next Sunday you get uh, Jim Waldrop. So we're excited for, uh, for Jim. He hasn't gotten to speak in a while, and um, I just love it when he gets to. So um, be excited for that. So when, <clears throat> when, the, uh, when Pastor Deanna's uh, diagnosis came through, I told Sean, um, I really want to keep the message that you had already planned. So our goal for today is to keep destiny on track with where Holy Spirit was already taking us, okay? And uh, that means I need to be listening to Holy Spirit and allowing him to lead me in the same direction he was leading Pastor Sean. I need to make sure to keep the heart and the spirit of the message that Pastor Sean had already prepared. Pastor Deanna, I cannot read your comment. I'm sorry. I need to, uh, I need to turn off notifications real quick here is what I need to do. I don't preach from my computer often, but when I do, it's a pain. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to do it anymore. There it is. No, that's not it. All right, forget it. People are just gonna be talking to me. So I need to modify this message enough. This is what Sean wrote, okay? And Sean and I kind of live on two opposite sides. I know we're very similar in a lot of ways, uh, but one way that we're very different is the way that we do notes and the way that we preach. So Pastor Sean is the guy who comes in with seven pages of meticulously written notes, um, and then he delivers them almost word for word because he's practiced and he's put in the time, he's put in the hours. I, on the other hand, come in with two pages of notes that are like super outline, and then I wing it. And that's how I go. And, and so we're, we're, we're very different, but in, in keeping Sean's message, I'm having to, uh, I had to modify it enough to make it natural, but not enough to uh, change the tone or change, change where, where, where it's taking us. And uh, I learned this week that preaching someone else's message is an awful lot like wearing someone else's underwear. You can do it, but it feels weird, all right? So that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, basically, I'm gonna do my best, but here's the thing, there's gonna be a lot of reading. And when I read, things do tend to get a little bit stale. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen this morning. I think I did okay for a service, but <clears throat> originally, Pastor Sean was going to do a message on anxiety. And um, we forgot that men's retreat was in the mix. So we ended up having one week less for this series. So, so this is not, uh, today's not a focus on anxiety specifically, but I want you guys to know that basically I wanna, I wanna give those of you that are dealing with anxiety right now and in this time, uh, I wanna give you a lens to listen to this message through, okay? So if you're dealing with anxiety, I want you to know you're not alone. I deal with anxiety a lot. Um, I actually started medication for it in January and I'm convinced that if I hadn't, this last, uh, last six, eight months would have been very different for me. And I'm thankful that God gave me a doctor and the ability to have this to kind of, kind of bring me to center. But even now, I still have days where like, I, I, I'll, I'll message Pam, I'll be like, I can't go to the store, I can't run that errand, I can't talk to that person, I just can't do it. And um, so I want you to know, like, like we talked a few weeks ago about the stigma of uh, mental health issues in the church. And um, there's, there's no shame in fighting battles. There's no shame in having issues. There's no shame in dealing with stuff. And you're not alone. Uh, so 
today's message, while it's not specifically about anxiety, um, I believe it can give those that are dealing with anxiety hope and help kind of pull you out and pull you up and, 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 and put you... Um, I believe Holy Spirit planned this message to be one that would help lift you up out of your anxiety and put you up into the places he wants you to operate in. Okay? All right, that's the end of my message. Or sorry, that's the end of my notes, uh, my intro. Now we're gonna start Pastor Sean's intro. Gotta get in the right mindset. Gotta pretend I'm like four inches taller. All right. We are in a story that's moving up. He lifted me out. He lifted me up. He led us out. He led us up. Even the holy city of Jerusalem is up. You go up to the holy city. You go up to Zion. You lift your eyes to the hills like we were singing. You lift your eyes to the hills where your strength comes from. And Christ is leading that story. In fact, he knows the highs and the lows of life, but ultimately Christ is in the highest place today, seated at the right hand of the Father. Paul's prayer in Ephesians, <clears throat> Paul's trying to help us understand what we're, that we're linked with Christ, right? So that's the key for us today. This is the question. This is the, the crux of the discussion. Are you linked with Christ? Are you linked with Christ? We're not asking, do you belong to, to a denomination? because that doesn't matter. Do you own a Bible? Anybody can own a Bible. We're not asking if you own a Bible. Uh, was your grandmother a follower of the Christian? Are we at, we're not asking if your grandmother or, or someone else in your family before you was a follower. Now, there are so many like prayer warrior grandmas that have changed so many lives through their, their faithfulness to, to pray and intercede for their families. But their faith does not connect you with Jesus. The question is, have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you linked to Christ? The answer is yes. You're linked to him. And Paul is trying to help us in Ephesians here. Paul's trying to help us see what it is that we're linked to. So Ephesians 1, 19 through 21 says, and what... And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. That translation confuses me. So I'm gonna put it in other words for me and if you're along, you can have it in your words too. Basically, God's power was so great that he took Jesus, raised him up from the dead, placed him at the right hand of honor where Jesus is now sitting above all rule, authority, power, dominion, above every name that has ever been named or ever will be named. In God's greatest power, he took Jesus from death, raised him to life and put him in the place of most honor forever. So when we talk about above and beyond, and we're going to talk about above and beyond, we're talking about Jesus. Now, Ephesians 2, verses four through six, Paul continues, but God, being rich in mercy, because of of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and, raises, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So let me put that into other words as well. God, 
like we talked about, took Jesus from the dead, raised him up to his right hand above all power and dominion and authority and rule and uh, uh, seated him in the greatest place forever. And then in the second Ephesians 2, we read that Jesus brought us along with him. Jesus brought us along for the ride. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in the greatest place with the most honor. And we're sitting there too. We know that Christ is far above all rule and authority. So that moment you put your faith in Jesus, you're connected to Jesus and you're connected to his up story. But the reality is we're living in 2020 and 2020 is jacked up. Yeah? I mean, it's like, I don't even have a thing to compare it to. But it's weird. And you might be saying today, well, Derek, it's great that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all rule and authority, but where I am in my life right now, today, feels really low. Where I am in my story feels really down. It feels like I'm at the bottom of my life and not the top. And to you this morning, I would say, well, you're not wrong. I am not gonna stand here this morning and tell you that because your spirit, because your relationship with Jesus places you at the right hand of the Father, I am not gonna tell you that that negates what you're dealing with now. I won't. There's, there's been times when the church would have, but I think we're beyond that. And I think God's taking us to a place where we can accept the struggles that we're in. We can accept our downs. We can accept the, the challenges in our lives and not negate them because we're supposed to be more holy. We can accept them and work through them and, and, and enjoy the challenge and let God work through us and work with us and work in us to create uh, the change that he wants to create in that time. So you're not wrong. And that's because on this planet, there are peaks and valleys. It's a sinful, broken world. There are going to be highs and lows. Even Jesus said, <clears throat> in this world, you will have trouble. You will, Jesus, God, you're gonna have trouble, but I've overcome that trouble. So your connection with Jesus is, the, is what gives you the power uh, to stand up and, and, and walk forward. But guys, I think, we, I think we have this idea that Jesus was, you know, he's God and he's man and he's holy and he lived the perfect life and it was always up for him. He was always winning. He was always at the top of his game. He never got challenged. Well, I don't think that's accurate. Let's look at Jesus' life. First, Jesus was in heaven, right? Before time began, Jesus was the word and everything was created through the word. Everything was created through Jesus. Jesus is responsible for all of this stuff. He is holy and amazing and seated there. Like he's the guy, right? <clears throat> so he humbles himself to come down to earth. Down. He's not born into a royal family. He's born into a poor family. And he gets placed in a manger. The most humble, the most humiliating birth you could probably think of. And from there, King Herod gets all challenged because, oh my gosh, there's a baby that's gonna take my throne. So he sends out an edict, let's kill all the babies. Let's kill all the young, young boys. So now, not only is Jesus like uh, humbled all the way to a manger, but now his life is in danger and he doesn't even get to live in the home that he was born to. He actually has to, he and his family run down, run south to Egypt. And today we're gonna, we're gonna uh, uh, 
Israel in the north, Egypt in the south, there, it's gonna be our up and our down. There's a parallel between those as we go on. So anytime we're talking about uh, um, Israel, we're talking about up. Anytime we're talking about um, Egypt, we're down, okay? Up and down. So Jesus escapes south, down to Egypt, but he comes back up. His family brings, uh, goes from Egypt back to Israel. Jesus establishes a ministry. And in that ministry, it's perfect always. No, it's not perfect always. He has highs and he has lows. He has days where he's applauded and days where he's the villain. He has days where people think he's the greatest thing that ever happened and days where he's attacked for doing something kind. One day, people are laying their clothes on the ground in front of him so his donkey doesn't have to walk on the dirt and the next day they're shouting, crucify him. Jesus knew, Jesus knows about highs and lows. He knows about ups and downs. In Matthew 17, we read a story where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on this mountain. And while they're up on the mountain, Jesus is uh, transfigured. Basically, that means he turns into like a glow worm. You know, he brightens up and, and light comes out of him. And he's like, hey, look at me. And uh, <clears throat> Jesus was never like, hey, look at me. But still, uh, Elijah and Moses show up. These guys had been dead for a billion years. And Elijah and Moses show up and Jesus is talking to them. And we don't know what they were talking about, but I imagine Jesus was like, well, how's dad? And they were like, oh, he's good. And because, I mean, what else are they gonna talk about? What, 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 anyway, <clears throat> doesn't matter, not the point. The point is, Peter, the guy with the great ideas, the guy who's like always really excited about everything and usually wrong about how he dealt with it, at least up until Holy Spirit came and fixed him, uh, Peter freaks out and has this genius idea to build a tent. He's like, hey, let's build a tent um, because this is so great. This is so great. Oh my gosh. Okay, so Jesus, we're gonna build a tent for you and we're gonna build a tent for Moses and we're gonna build a tent for Elijah and we're gonna stay here forever and it's gonna be fun because, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. Then a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Peter, James, and John, the text says, fell on their faces terrified by God on the mountain. You guys ever been to a concert where the, the, the music, like the kick drum would hit and you'd feel it and like your whole body kind of, you ever been in a concert like that? I imagine it was like that. When the word of God spoke, they weren't, they weren't like afraid for their lives, but it was so big and so powerful. They just dropped to the ground. So, this is a mountaintop experience. This is where they are at the high of the, high, the, the, the top of the, the best thing they've ever experienced. They're up there. And this, I think, is one of the places where we get the phrase mountaintop experience. It's a little bit of Christianese. It just means that you're doing really good with God, okay? And uh, we used to shame kids that lived like this um, at youth camps. And we would shame everybody. And it was something that the church did. And I think it was... I think the heart of it was good, but the approach was wrong. See, it was the idea that at youth camp, you're gonna get really close to God and you're gonna get really up there and you're gonna have the greatest time ever. And then when you leave youth camp, you have to keep that high. You have to keep that relationship with God. You have to keep that level of awesomeness forever. And if you don't keep that, if you don't keep that mountaintop experience, you're backslidden. You need to get saved again. You need to ask forgiveness. You need to repent. And I'm not gonna, I can't say that because Jesus had ups and downs. Jesus came off of this mountain. And you can't tell me that when he came off of this mountain, he wasn't God anymore. 
You can't tell me that, that it was a sin when Jesus was no longer on the mountain. You can't tell me the night in the garden when he was so stressed out that he was sweating blood and he was begging God, if there's some other way to do this, please. When he was questioning the father's plan because it was so big and so daunting. You can't tell me that he wasn't God then. And if he can have experience a low and still be God and still be sinless, then we can experience a low and it's part of the journey and it's something that we can grow through, but it is not something that separates us from God. Guys, that's part of life. We have ups and downs and there is no shame in having a down. Let's take that stigma off, all right? So Jesus says, the three guys on their faces, terrified, the subwoofer of the Lord's voice just knocked them to the ground. And uh, Jesus says, guys, don't be afraid. And he says, but don't tell anybody what you've seen here. And they're like, why not? This is amazing. And Jesus continues, don't tell anybody because I've got to be handed over to the authorities. And I'm gonna give my life for you. And I'm coming down off of the mountaintop and I'm gonna go all the way down to kneel in the garden of Gethsemane and say yes to the plan that God has for me. I'm going to be lifted up on a cross because if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. But then I'm gonna be taken back down off the cross in a hurry before sundown and placed in a borrowed tomb. And once I go into the borrowed tomb in the spirit, I'm gonna go down into the depths of the earth. But then by the power of God, I'm coming up from the grave, conquering death, hell, and sin. And then from the Mount of Olives, I'm gonna ascend up into heaven and be seated at the right hand of God, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And I'm going to have a title that's greater than any title in this age or, this age, or any age to come. Jesus is now seated in the highest place and he brought us along for the ride. And your life probably looks a lot like Jesus' life. See, putting our faith in Jesus doesn't give us a free ride. It doesn't mean we're gonna be on easy street. It doesn't mean everything's gonna be smooth. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. But if you're with me, you don't have to deal with them alone. Jesus is overcome. So this is what God, uh, all right, I'm gonna hedge a little bit, okay? build a little hedge of protection around myself, okay? Because I'm about to share a joke that if Sean shared it, it would be hilarious. But since I'm doing it, it's probably not gonna be hilarious. So I'm, protection. I wanna feel safe. A few years ago, the big hashtag was YOLO, right? You only live once. You know, tomorrow's not promised. Do all the crazy stuff today. Well, 2020, YOLO has turned into yo-yo because it's up and then it's down. Hashtag yo-yo. See, it didn't work. I'm glad I had my hedge. I feel good on the inside. Little Derek feels safe. <laughs> Lyle. So in the ups and downs, Sorry, God wants you to know this morning, even in the, the turmoil of 2020, the ups and the downs, God wants you to know that in the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, the peaks and the valleys, the mountaintops and the desperate nights of life, you need to know you're already seated high above all rule and authority. And ultimately you're going to end on a high note. But to see that, we have to realize that, that as we follow him in our life, the process 
we're gonna have to trust God that he has a plan. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, we have to trust that God has a plan. And right now your story maybe feels more like uh, uh, under and behind than above and beyond. You know, that's the reality for a lot of us in life right now. And I guarantee you when Jesus was in the garden that night, he felt under and behind. You may be thinking, what plan could God possibly have that allows this insanity? And if there's nobody in this room or online that's thinking what kind of a God would allow 2020, I guarantee you there are about a billion people outside that are. Everybody's thinking, all the hopes I had for 2020 have been dashed. I haven't gotten to do anything. What happened to the roaring 20s? What happened to the party? What happened to releasing our roar? This year's beginning to close and I've, I've experienced nothing of victory. But I wanna remind you today that God still got a plan and his plan took all of this into account. He didn't have to change plans. He didn't have to rewrite the plan. He didn't have to go to plan B. This is still plan A. God's a big, big God, very, very smart. He knows a lot. This is in his plan. It's gonna be fine. You're gonna be okay. I wanna remind you that God's got a plan and his plan is to take you up, to build you up, to lead you up, to lift you up and to set you up. But that plan might take some time and today we're talking about the long way up because sometimes God is about the long game. Exodus chapter 13 Exodus chapter 13, 17 through 22, uh, God is leading his people out of Egypt. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I'll just, let's just read it. When Pharaoh led the people to go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around <clears throat> by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. So as they left Egypt, instead of going straight up, straight to the promised land, straight to where God told them they were gonna be, straight to their ancestral home, God says, no, we're gonna go sideways. We're gonna hang a left and we're gonna spend some time in the desert. Maybe you're feeling like that today. <clears throat> Maybe you feel like your life is going sideways when you thought God uh, had promised you that it was gonna go up. Here's the deal, guys. If God said he was gonna do it, He's gonna do it. He's still taking you up, but maybe he's gonna take you up a different way. Why? Well, in cooking, uh, sorry, some things take time. In cooking, we have a, a phrase, a word, uh, a process called tempering, okay? And uh, specifically, we'll talk about hollandaise sauce because it's easy. Uh, essentially, you have raw egg and you have a hot um, part of the sauce. And if you take that egg and you dump it into that hot sauce, it solidifies, it gets hard, it turns into this slimy mess that's more the texture of egg drop soup than the nice velvety hollandaise sauce, okay? But if we take that hot boiling liquid and we add a little bit to the eggs and mix it in and then add a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, eventually that egg is cooked, but it keeps its liquid form and now you have this nice velvety hollandaise sauce. If it was just mixed together, it would be gross. It takes time. 
on a drag racing strip. If you ever watch drag racing, uh, Lyle shared a video with me last week or the week before this guy with a, a Harley. He, he was doing 170, he was trying to get 180 miles an hour and he was like a third of a mile an hour below. And this guy's just tearing down the track. And here's the thing about drag racing. You cannot just come up to the line and go because cold tires don't stick to the ground. So you will see drag, uh, people drag racing or, or time trials or whatever. Uh, they will peel out and then they will back up and they will peel out to the line and they will back up and they'll do that until they're confident that the tires are the proper temperature to give them the best go. Cold tires don't stick. Nobody just runs a marathon. It's in like every comedy show that lasts for more than two years. There's, there's always uh, one guy who's like super fit and he's like, yeah, I'm running the marathon. And then the comedy guy, the funny guy in the show goes, anybody can do that. And then ultimately the, the funny guy in the show tries to run the marathon without training and he almost dies and his friends end up carrying him across the line. You know, you've seen it. We see this all the time. And it's funny because we all know that you can't just run a marathon. You can't. You have to train. You have to work. You have to spend some time going sideways. Now here's the thing. Even if you know how to do something, even if you know how to do something but you haven't done it in a while and calluses are required, there's a breaking in period. Um, I lose uh, my bass guitar calluses. I had some this summer. I had some last Christmassy time. I don't have any now. And if I was to pick up my bass guitar and play this morning, I would have blisters because I play hard, I know how to play hard, but I don't have the calluses for it. If I wanna play for a weekend and I wanna not get blistery, I have to practice ahead of time long enough for those calluses to form. I do have calluses uh, in, in the kitchen where, um, and a lot of chefs will have these calluses too, where they're protected from heat. And so you can go on the grill and you can turn things on the grill and you can put your hand in pans and do things because you have calluses. But the lay person cannot do that because they don't have the calluses. It takes time, it takes work, it takes practice. It takes going sideways. So God was looking out for Israel. He knew that Israel wasn't ready. See, at that point in time, Israel was a nation of workers. They weren't fighters. They had been servants and slaves and they had been building stuff. They were not warriors. And that's not to say they didn't know how to be warriors. The Bible says that they actually left Egypt dressed for battle. But God said, if they see battle now, they will go back to, they'll go back to Egypt because they're not ready. And God knew there was going to be a big fight. He knew that Israel needed to see miracles of salvation. God knew that they needed to see him save them from stuff. Uh, you know, getting them through the Red Sea, there, there are a bunch of times where Israel was up against something that they were gonna die and God saved them. God knew they needed to see miracles of provision, water coming from rocks, manna every morning, birds that would fly in and just lay there and wait for you to take them to dinner, you know? Uh, I, mean, I was gonna make a fried chicken joke, but I can't because there's nothing there. Uh, guys, their clothes, the people that were in, in uh, the, the Israelites that spent the 40 years in the desert, their clothes didn't wear out. In a desert, you know what sand does to fabric? It didn't wear out. They took, it, they took their clothes off, gave them to their children when they passed away. And so there were all these young people in really old clothes that went into the promised land because God knew they needed to see miracles of provision. God knew they needed to see miracles that would teach them to rely on him. 
See, Israel moving into the promised land wasn't about them being able to, to take the land in their own power. It was, about, it was about them relying on God to make a way. Maybe that's what's missing in our lives right now. Maybe we're saying, God, I knew this was gonna be over by June. They told us by June. They told us by July. We were so sure that, that by the time we got through that last 2019-2020 uh, uh, school year, we knew that the 2020-2021 the school year was gonna be easy. It was gonna be normal. We were so sure. We thought church services were gonna be normal again. We were sure everything was gonna be different. My timeline was not this one. Up to me didn't look like this. This is not my up. But maybe we need to be listening and learning and growing and learning to trust in God and capitalizing on this time in our lives. Let's not waste this moment wishing it was different. Let's not waste this opportunity for personal growth and for communal growth. At the beginning of COVID, when, when uh, Destiny first went online, this church was reaching out everywhere. And all the churches were, all the Christians were calling their neighbors and taking care of their neighbors and bringing them food and making sure everybody was okay. But then the yo-yo of 2020 came and it beat us all down. And now we're all tired and we're just done. But let's not waste this opportunity. Because God's got an ultimate plan and that is that your ultimate destination is up. Your final destination is way up, in an instant, up. The worst thing that could happen to you today is that you would die. And where would you be? Up. But right now, in this moment, God wants to do something in you so that he can set you up to do something through you now and in the future. Joseph, okay, we're gonna go back in time a little bit. Joseph is a guy who knew about the long game. We're not gonna read the story because it's very, very long. So I'm gonna tell it and as best I can. Joseph was <clears throat> Jacob's youngest son. You guys remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Um, Abraham was promised that he would have a billion descendants. He had two kids. So you didn't see that. But it doesn't mean that God didn't have a plan. It doesn't mean that God's plan wasn't gonna happen. <clears throat> anyway, so um, jo uh, Jacob's youngest son, Joseph, was Jacob's favorite. And Jacob was, was constantly spoiling him. He made him a, a coat, you know, Joseph, dream coat, color coat. And Joseph, in his teenage um, arrogance, I'll say, uh, <clears throat> did something that maybe wasn't wrong, but I think he handled it wrong. Uh, God gave him a dream where his parents and his siblings were all worshiping him. They were all bowing down before him and worshiping him. And I don't know if Joseph was like, hey, you guys are gonna worship me. Because that kind of makes sense. That's something that a teenager would do. And that would garner the response. I can't imagine if Joseph went up and went to his dad and said, hey, dad, I had this dream. This is what happened in the dream. What do you think that means? I can't imagine that was the conversation that happened because the response is that his brothers hate him all the more and plot to kill him. Now, all the brothers were ages uh, 17 to about 22, right in that range. And I cannot imagine anything more terrifying 
than a bunch of immature frontal lobe, early 20s people wanting me dead. Because that brain doesn't communicate actions today with consequences tomorrow. Like 18, 19, 20 year olds do what they wanna do because their brains aren't working right, right? Like you guys know that. You get about 25 and suddenly you go to work and you don't mind it anymore. And that's it all connected. So Reuben though is a nice guy. Reuben is like, hey guys, let's not kill him. Let's not kill him. Let's, let's, let's put him in a cave and, and, and just don't kill him. We don't need to kill him. Uh, and Reuben's idea, his plan was to come back and save Joseph later and, and take him off to somewhere safe. But before Reuben was able to do that, uh, the brothers came back and sent Joseph into slavery. They sold him into slavery. So Joseph ends up at Potiphar's house. And he does really, really well with Potiphar. And, and, and Potiphar basically says, Joseph, you are such a good worker and I trust you so much. You are responsible for everything in my home. You're responsible for the servants and you're responsible for the animals and you're responsible for making sure everyone's fed and taken care of. I'm gonna go do my business. You're in charge of my stuff. And Joseph did really, really good. But then he was betrayed by Potiphar's wife and through the situation was sent to prison. And uh, it's interesting and important that we know that this is not just any prison, it's the prison where the king's prisoners were kept. (laughs) Now, in prison, Joseph does really well again. He's a man of character, he's a worker, he likes to get things done, he's he's responsible. So the the head guard, the um, uh, whatever the name is, The guy that's in charge of the jail says, Joseph, you are such a good guy. You're such a good worker. You're so responsible. I trust you so much. You are now responsible for all the prisoners. Make sure there aren't any fights. Make sure they have the food that they need. Make sure everyone's taken care of. That's your job. So let's look at Joseph real quick. Joseph starts high. He's up. He's got his father's favor. He's got dreams from God that he's going to be an amazing person. And then his brothers grab him and drag him down into a pit. Then they take him and they sell him into slavery. And in Potiphar's house, Potiphar raises him up to the highest position. But then the situation with Potiphar's wife, Joseph is grabbed and dragged back down and put in prison. He's down again, but in prison, he rises to the highest place he could possibly rise to. So you see this? Ups and downs. Each step of this, the Bible says that God was with Joseph and caused all he did to succeed. So in prison, um, uh, sorry, uh, Pharaoh sends his cupbearer and his baker to prison. And in prison, these guys each have a dream and Joseph hears uh, hears from God and interprets the dream. He goes up to the baker. He says, baker, you're gonna die. Good luck with that. Then he goes over to the cupbearer and he says, cupbearer, in three days, you're gonna be back at your job. You're gonna be back at work. It's gonna be great. Please remember me when you're back with Pharaoh and you're you're not in prison anymore. Remember me, get me out of here. I don't belong here. And the cupbearer forgets him, like instantly. Two years go by. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. And then the cupbearer remembers Joseph. It's almost like God was keeping Joseph close by and moving him just to where he needed to be at just the right time. And in the ups and downs, God placed him exactly where he needed to be. 
But God's not like that, right? He can't do that in my life. Of course he can. Of course he can. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph and asks, Joseph, can you truly interpret dreams? Joseph answers Pharaoh, it's not me, but God will answer your dreams. So Joseph tells Pharaoh that his dreams mean there are going to be seven years of plenty. You're going to have more than enough, followed by seven years of the worst famine ever. Joseph tells Pharaoh, get ready. So Pharaoh's, Pharaoh takes Joseph and puts him in charge of everything. Okay, in Egyptian culture, Pharaoh was a god. And Joseph was next to God. In the minds of the Egyptian people, <clears throat> Joseph, this guy from Israel, this guy from up north that was in prison a day ago, is now the most powerful non-God in, Israel, or in Egypt. That's an up move. So Joseph does his job, gets Egypt ready for famine. They're gonna deal with it. They're gonna be fine. Nobody's stressed out. Nobody's worried. But up in the north, up in uh, Israel, it's not Israel yet, but in that, you know, Canaan area, um, <clears throat> Joseph's family, they're not doing well. His brothers come down to Egypt. Joseph provides for his family and invites them all to Egypt where they will be taken care of. Joseph's like, hey guys, get dad, get everybody, come down here, we'll take care of you. We've got more than enough. It's gonna be great. At the end of the story, when Jacob dies, the brothers are like, oh no, oh no, dad's gone. He's not here to protect us. Joseph's gonna get, a, he's gonna get us back. He's, he's gonna get his revenge. He's gonna kill us. This is not good. And Joseph says, no, guys, you have nothing to worry about because what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And Joseph says, guys, you don't understand. I'm in God's place. God put me here. God put me here. You put me in a pit, but God put me in a palace. You tried to take me out, but God had his plan all along. You tried to pull me down, but God knew the whole time that he was gonna lift me up. And Joseph continued, do you know why God lifted me up? He did it for the saving of many people. That's why I'm here right now. So you're good, you're fine. I'm not gonna get my revenge. I'm not gonna take you out because God put me here so that even you could be saved. And that all these people and the entire world could be saved. And God was true to his promise and God was true to the dreams that he gave young Joseph. And guys, you understand that Jesus came from this family? Joseph was Jesus' great, great, a thousand times grandpa. Jesus was coming through this family. So when that family was saved, Jesus' way was being made. God had a plan the whole time. Not only, not only, when God saved Joseph and raised him up and Joseph saved his family and made a way for Jesus, Joseph saved a way and made a way for us. And what was the plan? God's like, Joseph, you're gonna go sideways for 13 years between getting dropped in the pit and being raised up in Israel, 13 years. But after 13 years, you're gonna go up. You're gonna go way up. You're gonna go all the way to the top up because that's my purpose and plan and vision. That was God's purpose, plan, and vision for Joseph. And God has purpose, plan, and vision for you, even if you're going sideways.
The last thing that Joseph said to his people before he died was, don't leave my bones here. When God comes to take us back to our promised home, take me with you. So Joseph made the trip from Israel, the Canaan family homeland, down to Egypt. The Bible says that Moses took his bones back. And in the end, Joseph was brought back up physically and spiritually to where God had for him to be. So over the generations, Joseph was forgotten and, and the guests that were Israel became slaves. And then one day comes and God says, it's time. And then he sets up Moses to deliver Israel from Egypt. And, you know, if you read about Moses, he's got his own sideways up and down thing. You know, he was, he was, he was born and, and, uh, and he was going to get killed. And then he was, he was uh, abandoned into the river, more or less. And then he was picked up and then he was raised as a prince. And then he, he ended up killing a guy. And he got sent out to the desert for 40 years on his own. The guy spent a lot of time in the desert, didn't he? Anyway. <clears throat> so God sets up Moses, gets Israel out of Egypt, and he took him straight home. Took him sideways. Exodus 13, 20 through 22 says, And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped in, at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, <clears throat> that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. You understand that going sideways is where God teaches you and shows you that he's enough for you? You guys realize that? In that sideways time, God taught Israel to rely on him and in our sideways time, God is gonna teach us to rely on him. See, the above and beyond that we're talking about <clears throat> isn't something that God gives us. The above and beyond is God. We're not saying, God, I need some above and I need some beyond. We're saying, God, I need you. And that relationship with God is the above and beyond. God says, I am the above. I am the beyond. I am with you in Christ and you are in me and I am in you. We're linked together now by faith inextricably for all time. God says, we're one. And therefore, you have access to the above and beyond at all times and in all places, whether it's on this mountaintop or down in the lowest valley of night, I'm here, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, circumstance, pressure, difficulty, stress, struggle, joy, happiness, sadness, sorrow, life, death, I am there. Pillar of cloud by day, fire by night, there won't ever be a moment, there won't ever be a season, there will never be any obstacle that you won't have a cloud by day and a fire by night. God is the above and beyond. This is what you learn going sideways. You learn confidence in God. My confidence is not in my bank account. It's not in my friends. It's not in my past. It's not in my accomplishments or my abilities or my opportunities. My confidence is in the pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. The great I am who said to Moses in Exodus 3.14, God says, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am who sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am able to be remembered throughout all generations. God says, I am your God. I am your leader. I am, I am. So again, why sideways? Well, maybe you're not as ready as you think. Like Israel. You look like you're ready for battle, but 
you really don't have the stomach for it. Or maybe like Joseph, the time isn't right. Joseph was ready to lead Egypt, but there was a two-year period where they weren't ready for him. The time just wasn't right. Or maybe God isn't sending you where you want to be right now, but he's sending you where you need to be six years from now. When I was 16 or 17, a friend named Jerry Betts prophesied over me. Um, and I don't remember the, the crux of the prophecy, but I remember the, the wording and I remember the imagery. She said, she saw me running towards a goal. And before I could reach the goal, a wall would come up. And instead of stopping, I would turn and I would see another goal and I would run towards the other goal and then a wall would come up and I'd run to another goal and a wall would come up. And in my mind, it played kind of like that Windows 98 uh, screensaver with the bricks, you know, the brick maze that was just like constant. You guys remember that? It, <clears throat> that's what it was. And that's, that's what I thought. And at the time, it was, I felt like, and I remember feeling this at that age, I felt like I was working towards things, but I wasn't experiencing them. I felt like God had called me to something, but I wasn't experiencing it. I was training for things, but I wasn't experiencing uh, what I was supposed to experience. And specifically, this prophecy had to do with me and, and music. When I was between 15 and 16 in that, that year, I picked up guitar, bass guitar, drums, and piano. And I was learning all of them at the same time. And I, I kept you know, training and running, and then I wouldn't be able to play for whatever reason, so I'd grab another instrument. I'd go the other direction. That's how I've lived my life, always running, always growing. As a kid, I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting the things that I thought, wasn't doing the things I thought I should be. But now, 20, 21 years later, I look back and God has proven my time in preparation well spent. Because all that time spent learning new things and running to new things set me up for now. set me up for you, for, for, for COVID. You know, when, when, when we had to go to, to digital church, I didn't know how to make a live stream, but I was able in a few days to learn how and, and make a system that allowed us to have church. We didn't miss church. There were churches that missed church for weeks because they couldn't get stuff on. I was able to, and it's not because I'm special. It's not because I'm great. It's because I'm good at Google, all right? I know how to search things and I read a lot. That's the only thing that, that, that makes me uh, able to do these things, but God trained me over time to learn how to do things and how to learn how to do them quickly. Paul and Silas, New Testament, it's midnight, they're in jail, they've been beaten for their faith, they're sideways. And they're praying and they're singing to God and God shows up. It's one of those times like when you're in your living room and you're by yourself and you're singing worship songs and God shows up and you're having a moment. Um, it was like that for them, only there was also an earthquake, Right? So the earthquake happens, the jail doors open, the shackles fall off. <clears throat> the, the guard runs in, jailer runs in, and he's ready to fall on his sword. He's ready to kill himself because he's sure everybody's gone and he's gonna get tortured and killed for letting him go, so he might as well just kill himself. That's, that's his, his mindset. But when the tortures are lit, Paul and Silas are still there. Why? Because God had a bigger plan for Paul and Silas. They weren't meant to escape. They were meant to minister to the jailer. And that night, the jailer and his entire family were saved and baptized. See, our, our sideways often isn't for us. It's for them. My sideways, that prophecy, that story I just shared, all that time wasn't for me, it was for you. 
my time spent sideways is to show God's glory, to show his love, to shine his light in dark places of this world. Guys, you cannot shine a light into the dark places if you never go there. You can take a flashlight outside right now and it's not gonna do you much good. And I think this might be a good time to interject. Let's try to drop the negativity cycle that we all seem to be in. Um, I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world and it seems like Christianity, or Christians rather, with with the yo-yo of this year and getting beaten up and spun around, um, we're all tired and exhausted and we're grabbing a hold of the negative stuff and we're just spinning out on it. And I'm hearing, I'm seeing this on social media. I'm hearing it in conversations that are happening around me. People are getting more and more negative. And guys, I want to challenge you to look around. Yeah, some things are, some things are bad. Some things aren't good, but a lot of things are good. And God's doing a lot of stuff right now. So let's focus on the good stuff this week and be thankful for what God's doing. Let's refocus. Let's get our eyes off of the junk and get our eyes up on God. Okay. So God, am I ready? God, is the timing right? God, I know that I'm going up. I'm believing and trusting that and that even in death, you're gonna move me on. So even if I don't see my going up with you in this lifetime, you're going to move me on in your story. So am I at the place in my life that I'm confident that God's gonna come through fire by night, cloud by day? I know that God is coming through for me. And if we can learn that, 2020 won't be the worst year ever. We'll look at 2020 and we'll say, God was in it. God was part of it. God was doing something. He was shaking things up to waken things up. He was setting things up. And God is in 2020. I see it. I believe it. I'm going to start speaking that into my my story. And I would encourage you to do the same. Cloud by day, fire by night, above and beyond, eyes on God. But it's down here in this valley where uh, all the work is being done, right? It's in the sideways where the work happens. If you take somebody and you put them into something, like if you, if, you, if you gain something without earning it, what have you learned? Okay? Now, we're not talking about salvation. You don't have to earn salvation. But we're talking about the lessons of life. We're talking about becoming better people and the challenge to grow, okay? So we, we grow and we learn in the sideways. As far as salvation, Jesus did it, you're good. It's it's the sideways time that makes us who we are. And then, when God has lifted us up to a place of influence, a place like Joseph was in, where he could have taken revenge and he could have settled the score, no, God had done something in him in the lows. And I wonder if today maybe you could just say, Lord, I wanna be faithful right here at low tide because I'm 100% sure the tide is coming in. God, help me to be faithful now so that when I am up, I can have the most impact for your, for your world and for your glory. Three weeks ago now, Pastor Sean shared the message, you are gonna make it. It was a message about mental health, stigmas, we mentioned it before, uh, suicide, depression. Later that week, he received the following Facebook message from Kendall Hildebrand. Um, now, <clears throat> again, hedge. Because what I'm about to read to you is a testimony Uh, that one person is telling the story of another person to Sean and then I'm reading that. So it's it's a little bit weird, so I'm I'm gonna try to to, to make it clean as it comes out because I'm basically fourth person 
So many of you guys know Kendall. She and her three, uh, she and her kids, sorry, uh, and, and mom, I think, were in the video earlier. And she gave us permission to share this. Uh, so she, she begins with, uh, good morning, pastor. I have something that I was asked to share with you. My best friend from Kansas called me last night in tears. We found out that her name was Mary. And uh, Mary, if you're online, hi. Um, she said, Kendall, I just got done watching the service at Destiny, and I don't even have words. She said it was like Holy Spirit was talking directly to me. She said that God had used that online service to change her life and answered so many questions she had had for so many years, struggling with bipolar disorder and suicidal thoughts, and even a suicide attempt when we were 17. We cried together and talked for hours last night. She wanted me to tell you thank you from the bottom of her heart. She also called her mom and sisters and told them about the sermon and that they should watch it. Amen. So some of you guys know what it's like to be down in that pit of depression and, and suicide. It's a deep pit. It's, it's a far down thing. And what we just read is a real life testimony that God can bring you or your whole family up and out and he can do it now. Can someone tell me what does the root word of testimony mean? See, you guys were in first service. Pastor Brent, one of our founding pastors, used to say this constantly and all the time. The root word of testimony means do it again. It's the idea that when we share our stories and we share what God has done for us, it encourages us and reminds us of the fact that God not only uh, did something for me, but that he wants to do it for you because he doesn't respect me more than he respects you. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. He doesn't want to heal me more than he wants to heal you. So when I tell you my story, when I share my testimony, that should encourage you and build you up and, and give you the strength to move forward and waiting for your miracles and waiting for your, your time uh, to, to be healed. <clears throat> because the root word of testimony is God's gonna do it again. So what God has done for Mary, he can do for anyone and he wants to. At this point, Sean was already in tears. This is another one of those places where Sean and I are different. I don't cry a lot. Sean kind of does. Love you, Sean. Sorry. I wish you were here. Uh, <laughs> so at this point, Sean's bawling, and when he's bawling, he doesn't know what to write. So this is what he wrote. He wrote, tears emoticon, heart emoticon, praying hands emoticon. Thanks for sharing. That's so encouraging to hear after a very hard week. Bless her. So Kendall responds back and says, bless you, Pastor Sean, lifting you up in prayer always. Thank you for being so transparent, raw, and to the point. Here's a little more for you this morning. I've never shared this with you. I'm a recovering drug addict, and I was carried to the table by Sandy Lofberg, Lisa Bullock, and Cheryl James from a jail cell. When pastors Brent and Tana announced that they were leaving, I was still in a very hard part of my recovery and I was fragile and new to my faith. I was scared, but when you and your family stepped in, I knew it was a new blessing. I stood in the sanctuary with my mom one morning and you had asked anyone struggling to raise their hand for prayer. A large group gathered around me, including Mana. I prayed so hard for Jesus to take away my cravings for meth and heal me. And I never had another one. She never had another craving after that day. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you want to talk about going straight up and straight out? Jesus grabbing from jail to free. 
She continues, my cravings were so bad at times before that I would cry. Being at Destiny every week still to this day fills me up four years down. That's an amazing testimony. So at this point, I imagine Sean in his office, tears have filled the room to about here. He's swimming in it. And uh, Kendall continues. She says, also, I want to add that my best friend Mary hasn't been in church since she was 17 because they told her she had committed the ultimate sin of suicide and would not be welcomed into heaven. The word God spoke over her set her at peace and she will be attending Destiny Live from Kansas. So again, Mary, if you're watching, either now or sometime in the future, I love talking to future people. It's so fun. Um, now or in the future, whatever. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, it, it's our prayer that your story, uh, that your testimony would encourage and build others up and that uh, people would experience freedom. So, so it's amazing because not only are you experiencing freedom, but sharing your story is gonna help others experience freedom. It's amazing, so thank you. One more testimony that came in this week from Robin Voss. So if, if this school thing, if the kids being home is stressing you out, you're not alone. Everybody but like my family stressed out. We homeschool anyway, so it's like another year. Um, but Robin was stressed out, so, so this is her story. She starts with, I have a praise report. When we open emails, we never know what's on the other side. Okay, so when a Facebook message pops up, it's like, oh, it's a good one, you know? Uh, so, so that's awesome. Great, great start to the message. She continues, last evening, I was feeling high anxiety over online learning. I work from home permanently now, and before school started, it was very difficult working downstairs with our children upstairs daily. But God did something. Today, I woke up with a peace that I cannot even describe. Something is different, and it makes me so happy. I've teared up several times. Praise God, everything is gonna be just fine. I can't even describe to you how I feel. So you think you're heading into a pit, but God gives you a peace and pulls you right out. No more anxiety. Robin came up and out, and you can too. Not in your own power, but by trusting in God and allowing him and his timing to pull you and move you So again, Robin, Kendall, Mary, we're so honored by your stories. Thank you again so much for allowing us to share them. Uh, again, your, your testimonies are gonna help so many other people. And, and guys, really, that's why we share stories. That's part of why the body exists, so we can strengthen each other and build each other up and encourage one another. That's why we're here and online as well. That's what the chat section's for. That's why we're always filling that with stuff because we wanna be connecting. Yesterday, Destiny gave out 26 Thanksgiving meals. We would have loved to give out, like cover the whole town, uh, but that wasn't in the cards, but we were able to do 26, and that's awesome. This is the first time we've done this, and we were able to bless 26 families. It was beautiful. So with that in mind, maybe there's someone in your sphere of influence, and you know a need in their life. This might be a, uh, your opportunity to be a part of their up and out. Maybe, maybe you know someone who needs a job. They're down, they don't have a job, but you know of a job. Maybe you need to connect the two and be part of their up and out story. Guys, today we're standing in God's promises. Ours is a God who cannot be stopped. 
and whose plans cannot be thwarted. And even though it may look sideways today, it's going to end up going up. And you're gonna end on a high note with God because it's his kingdom. That's who he is and it's what he does. Amen? Amen. All right. So that is the end of Pastor Sean's notes. We made it. (laughs) I didn't tell you guys this at the beginning, but um, I don't practice my messages. I write my notes. I know what I want to say and then I don't practice them because I get stale and then I get kind of caught up. But Pastor Sean writes everything. So I actually timed it the other day. I actually did a full practice. I've never, ever done that before. This is all kinds of a sideways week for me. Learning new stuff, trying out new stuff. It was great. So in closing, guys, if you're here today and you would not consider yourself to be a Christ follower or um, a follower of Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling you to a relationship with Jesus this morning. You know, here's the thing. It's a journey. (laughs) There are gonna be highs and lows. There are going to be up and downs, ups and downs, but ultimately Jesus is inviting you to take a part to take part in the ultimate up with him. Now, here's the difference between it. Okay, life is hard. Life with Jesus is hard, but you have Jesus. And he's already done it, and he's already been there, and he's conquered the world. You get to go through it all with him. And there's no guarantee that everything is gonna be peachy and easy as a Jesus follower. but I guarantee you it'll be better. So if your heart is moving in that direction, in a minute I wanna give you some words that you can say to kind of help bring your heart and mind um, into the same space um, as you you follow, uh, as you begin following Jesus. Now, if you are saved, if you are already a Jesus follower, um, I wanna tell you something new. Maybe not new, but different. Maybe not different, but something, okay? Asking God to lift you out of where you found yourself and put you back on his path is not getting resaved. It's allowing God to do what he wants to do in your life. It's accepting that his plans for your life are better than your own. It's recognizing his authority in your life. Uh, uh, first service, I talked a little bit about, I, I love words, I love language, and I love how they're built. And the word recognize, I think we, it's one of those words that we often just accept, but we don't really pay attention. It, it's, it's two words. It's re, like to do again, and then the word cognize. And cognize means um, to perceive, to know, or to become aware of. So when we recognize who God is, we are re-perceiving, re-knowing, or becoming aware of again. I can tell you, that God's plan for your life is the best plan for your life. And if you found yourself outside of that plan, outside of that path, he didn't stop loving you. He didn't condemn you to hell or anything like that. He loves you as much. There's nothing, okay? Romans says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, even trying to take our lives into our own hands and, and, and going off on our own for a bit that doesn't separate you from God's love. So what I wanna do for you today is give you the opportunity to Ask Jesus to to just bring you back to where he has for you. Just bring you back to center. Refocus your life and uh, uh, get, get back in line with him, okay? So if you're in either of those two groups, I'd ask you to pray after me. Jesus, 
I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for picking me up and carrying me with you. I recognize that there is much I don't know. I want you to be the guiding authority in my life. Help me to follow you. Amen.